everybody. Welcome into Concrete Jungle, a New York baseball podcast here on FingerLeaks1.com. Paul Russo and Kyle Evans here with you. Uh, Yankees stuff to get to, Mets stuff to get to. Um, was a It was an interesting weekend, Kyle, to, to, to put it bluntly, I thought. Um, so we'll, we'll get to all that. Um, also, before we really jump into things, I do want to spend a minute discussing perhaps the biggest news in the baseball world at the moment. Uh, before it gets all that, good weekend for you. Everything, uh, everything went made it a, a good weekend for you. Yeah, I enjoyed some of the chaos with the other games. Um, Yankees series was meh, whatever. And uh, yeah, I I think it was a pretty good weekend overall. What about yours? Can't complain. We uh, had a buy for baseball, so that was nice. And uh, yeah, well, is this playoffs for you? It will be start Wednesday. Best of three series begins. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, it should be should be a pretty good one, um, but yeah, hopefully everything stays good and stays the path, and we'll be able to rock and roll. Uh, but first, uh, before we get any further, thank a couple of our sponsors: Dr. Jeffrey Hulse at DMD, Dr. Jeffrey Hulse visiting Canada's hometown dentist for more than 35 years, offering routine dental care as well as cosmetic dentistry, implants, and dentures by their highly trained and experienced staff. You can visit them online at CanadaWithDentistry.com or Find them on Facebook and Instagram and Generations Bank. Generations Bank has been serving the financial needs of the Finger Lakes region since 1870s. Generations combines the best of modern banking with dedication to our local communities. Whether you are looking for a checking account, CDs, a home improvement loan, you name it, we have what you need. They are committed to serving and giving back to our communities. Visit them online at mygenbank.com. Generations Bank. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. So, uh, as I mentioned, uh, before we jump fully into the Yankees and Mets, Red Wings and S-Mets, uh, Kyle, Saturday night, I had the pleasure live of watching um, the uh, the White Sox-Guardians game on MLB beginning. And um, first time in a while we've had a full-fledged base, as I call it, base brawl, <laughs> baseball brawl between Jose Ramirez and Tim Anderson and we had a knockout hit, um, been doing the rounds on social and everything like that. So uh, what were your thoughts on that incident? Because like I said, it's hard, even though obviously we focus on the Yankees and the Mets at the big league level, it's hard not to, to discuss that point. Yeah, that's definitely the big talking point all weekend. Um, you know, I expected, you know, Tim Anderson to be involved in a situation like this based on his past history and everything. And the comments that he's made to about other players but one guy that I didn't think we'd be talking about in that brawl would be Jose Ramirez um Jose just seems like a guy who kind of just keeps himself is is more of a quiet quieter player I would say in, in the league and just goes about his business and he wasn't taking anything from Tim that night I mean you he, he got a pretty good right hook in there and knocked him down and you know the rest was history and now that clip will be around the world for for years to come yeah it's interesting because I, I do want to bring up this point I know maybe this is something that should be an outright discussion point for for the Yankees here because it's funny that they are playing the White Sox here this series and obviously we'll get to all that in a second but you know they bring in Keenan Milton from the White Sox and you know he was kind of asked about more or less you know what was it like over there um, and you know I think it was maybe twofold knowing that the Yankees are going there and obviously what happened when he was asked yesterday about it um, the night before and he was talking about how like there there's quote unquote like no rules there's guys like sweeping in the bullpen it, it sounds like the White Sox are just frankly a chaotic team still um, I'm not frankly if, if you know me really at all I'm not a big Tony La Russa guy in the slightest uh, but it sounds like there's a bigger deeper culture thing that they need to address in in Chicago and I'm a Tim Anderson guy, frankly. I, I do like Tim Anderson, uh, but needless to say, this has been probably his roughest year professionally. And you really do have to. Everything I've understood is, and I love Jose. Jose Ramirez might be my favorite player in the big leagues at, at a whole level. But you really do, by my understanding, have to do something to really piss him off to get him to be mad. And... Frankly, it, like I said, is this the first time since Rudan Odor and Jose Bautista that we've actually had like a true connection? Because it, it was great. 
it's crazy because normally these brawls, right, and they aren't brawls, but we call them brawls. It's a lot of, like, just hold me backs and a lot of pushing, a lot of shoving. That's about it. I think, actually, now that I'm really thinking about maybe Amir Garrett with the Reds and, and Pittsburgh back, at the, back in, what was it, 2019? But, um, yeah, I mean, even then, though, that's been four years now at this point. So it, it's been a minute since we've had something like this. Yeah, and this was kind of different, too, because for a few seconds – these guys were actually squared up one on one before anyone got out there to you know separate them. Where the Odor one was kind of quick, he turned around and kind of just popped him quick. Um, where these guys were, it looked like a hockey fight, for, oh, yeah, yeah. but just didn't last as long. But yeah, um, it was definitely uh, interesting. I saw it live. I was shocked by it, of course. Uh, and I do think obviously suspensions are coming, and maybe that happens later this afternoon. And Anderson doesn't play in this. Yankees series ahead, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. Um, I would say, what, multiple games, maybe one for the managers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I my one buddy texts me. He, he goes, Jose's done for, like, a month, right? I'm like, nah, they – it'll probably be for him. It'll probably be ten games, but reduced to five. They'll probably appeal it and, and yeah. do whatever. But that's usually the type of type of stuff we see at this point with, with stuff like that, at least from the baseball element of it. I mean, obviously it's different for each sport, but from the baseball side of it, that's usually kind of what we see now. Yep. All right, let's jump into uh, the New York stuff here now that we got, like I said, I mean, probably the biggest headline in baseball through the weekend uh, overall. Uh, we'll begin with the Yankees. Um, isn't it funny how baseball works sometimes? I mean, we're I'm off air, we were kind of talking a little bit, and I was just like, we were really close to having the Yankees win this series in the grand scheme of it uh, when, frankly, neither one of us thought there was really even a, a chance at even really sniffing a split, let alone winning the series. And, you know, I did I did say it. I, I'll, I'll kind of say it on here. It's kind of – I don't know if it's the timing of it. I don't know if there's actually validity to it. But, you know, some of the Yankees' best ball in the past few weeks comes on the heels of Domingo Herman being out of the clubhouse fully. Um, and, and stuff like that. So I don't know, like I said, I think if we want to do the full speculation stuff of it, we, we could dedicate a whole hour to it if we really wanted to, but we aren't going to. Uh, there's other stuff to really tend to with the Yankees uh, above that at the moment, in my opinion. Um, so we'll do that. We'll begin with Anthony Rizzo. It ended up being probably the main headline really through the weekend, to be honest. Uh, it came pretty much on the heels of the Herman stuff um, that, you know, Rizzo has, and they're calling it um, post-concussion syndrome, even though I, I personally, in my experience and stuff I believe in, I, I believe he's probably still really honestly dealing with a concussion, not not having post-concussion syndrome, but, you know, actually dealing with a concussion still. Um, I'll leave some of the quotes uh, for you, Kyle, to, to kind of go through here, but more or less um, dealing with, like, fogginess, stuff like that, and I'm not surprised. He, he Since the collision with Tatis, he's literally been the worst position player in, in baseball. Yep. Um, no way around it. Um, and, you know, I did chuckle. I had, I had a couple people say to me, I think it's just maybe them covering up the fact he's been terrible. I'm like, I, it can't be all that, right? You know, I if that's the case, it goes back to, I think, the main criticism we really have, honestly, with this regime with the Yankees at this point where, you know, they, they do a lot of this weird covering stuff up and everything like that. I don't think that's fully the case here. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe the Yankees kind of were covering something up here to a degree, and we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but also, I, I think there's a little bit on Rizzo, and, and it's pretty apparent when he was talking with the media about this for the past few days. To me, that appears to be kind of the case a little bit, that he was just trying to fight through this one way or another, and we just I think we got to a point where it was you know he was just being such a detriment to the team day in and day out playing wise that I I frankly wonder if you know what discussions were had even before all this went down so um, timing of it I certainly thought was strange but um, I, I'm not surprised in the grand scheme of it because like I said he, he's too good of a player to be the worst position player in baseball for two whole months yeah, he was held out of that lineup um, against Shane McClanahan. You know, left hand lefty. You think, yeah, that's why he's sitting. And then the next day, we hear that Oswaldo Cabrera's, you know, has a lock in the clubhouse. So we're kind of speculating on what we think it might be. And I know we were kind of talking off air that, oh yeah, watch, this is going to be Rizzo. I mean, it was kind of, 
I wouldn't say right after the podcast Thursday, but it was relatively in that time frame. Yep, and sure enough, the Rizzo news comes, and it's just like, man, like, what a joke this this franchise is becoming with the injury situation, you know, the the playing on the field. Uh, so yeah, um, just another another injury that we should have known about and should have been addressed sooner. And two months like that, I mean, and then when you hear about the quotes about how. You know, he for, he would forget how many outs there were on the bases. Uh, he'd wake up feeling hungover, um, and he would feel very tired and stuff. I mean, how how are those not signs to the medical staff to further, uh, you know, look into the situation? Um, so, yeah, I think that's the big question around this team right now is the medical staff and why this wasn't addressed sooner. Yeah. And I, I, I'll play semi-devil's advocate here in a second on that, but – Again, going back to this medical staff, it's a little bit different, and I think it's a, a bit of a misconception to a lot of baseball fans, right? The training staff is different than the medical staff. And I think through the course of, well, on this podcast, but, you know, watching this team for as long as we both have, we've had obvious criticisms of, of both staffs, especially in the past handful of years. And the, But this is another, admittedly, in my mind, a blemish on the medical staff. Okay? Now – to play devil's advocate slightly here. Concussions are, I don't mean to put it like this, but concussions are weird. Um, baseball, oddly, and I could be semi-off on this, but at least within the time frame, baseball did have the first ever CT-related death in Ryan Friel taking his own life. So stuff like this always makes me mad from the grand scheme of it of, especially in this day and age, concussion protocols need to just be in place. And I, I, I know that they are for the Yankees and other and the rest of the MLB and other sports and other leagues, right? I'm not saying that they don't exist. They do they do exist and they, they well do. And every sport has a baseline test you have to take when stuff like this happens. But the fact that nobody was picking up on it sooner is where I completely get upset at the staff about, and I agree with you, Kyle. But I want to go back to the devil's advocate point I have for, for, for just a second. Concussions are weird. Um, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. In, in NASCAR, back in 2012 when he first had his sit out a couple races because of concussions, he had a tire test and got a blew a tire and got a wreck in a, a test session. And that's how he got his concussion. And the symptoms went away after a few days. And two weeks later, he gets in a wreck at Talladega, and he's out the next two weeks because of the concussion because it got re-triggered that way. And part of me wonders if something like that might have happened in a way with Rizzo. Like, we don't know what obviously happens at home or anything like that with these guys for the most part, right? Who knows if he maybe just knocked his head on accident or something like that through the course of the past few weeks and really just kind of re-triggered it up. But – you know, who knows? But at the end of the day, the fact that it more or less puts to bed a two-month mystery, it kind of took this long with something so serious, uh, it, it angers me from an experience side of things, and it angers me from the human element of things as well. Yeah, and I would think he was telling, you know, even just the training staff about how, you know, his vision was not what he wanted it to be. It was, he said he was, it was sometimes things looked blurry to him. Like I said, he would forget how many outs. There was no way he wasn't seeing those things out loud to the training staff. And then missing pitches down the middle, even we would talk about that. Mm-hmm. He's missing fastballs down the middle. I mean, that's, that was a sign right there. And then he admitted when he talked to the media that he knew he something was up, that he wouldn't just turn into a hitter like this. Yeah. He's never had a stretch in his career where it's been this bad. Yeah. So clearly it's been a thing for the last two months, and I'm glad it's now getting addressed, but now it just seems like, at the end of the year, if they don't make the playoffs, it's just going to be something Hal Steinberger kind of uses as an excuse. Well, Rizzo wasn't healthy for two months, and it's just that kind of sucks in the long term of things. And, and if that's the excuse, I think that's more indicative of not Rizzo, but you as an owner and the people you employ, frankly. Yep. Um, let's, let's shift gears, talk a little bit positive here before we kind of get back into some not doom and gloom, but but certainly a couple more other end topics. I thought Nestor Cortez looked really good on Saturday. Um, obviously, the first inning, especially in my mind, you know, he come out, 
out of the gate with a walk, but shut down the next three in order, set them up, set them down as we call it, uh, with the strikeouts. Um, and obviously, we knew that his limit was going to be 60, and he was just a hair over that, getting through the four innings of work they ended up getting through at 64. Uh, but that's a pretty clear indication to me that probably if this was that, his first start, but maybe like his second start back, he's probably going at least the fifth inning. Uh, and that's a really important, uh, at least to me, sight anyway to see. Uh, but I'd say the bigger part is he honestly, in my mind, looked the best he's looked all year, I thought. Um, obviously, one blemish, whatever, that's pitching. But, well, maybe two technically, depending upon the way you look at things. But um, I thought, like I said, such a great return for him on Saturday that um, – I, I borderline would probably take the reins off him for the second start here coming up uh, later on this week. Yeah, it was very encouraging. One thing I noticed was his velocity jump, 96 in the first inning. Um, that's about as fast as he's thrown a, uh, a ball in a while. Um, his average fastball was up like 2.1 miles per hour, so even you know later on it didn't get you know he didn't wear down again he, he didn't get tired. Um, and a lot of swing and misses. that was a big thing too against a lineup that. It's really good. And, yeah, that one mistake just didn't get the cutter in far enough. Had Altuve down two strikes, two outs, and just one mistake. Other than that, it would have been a perfect outing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think there's really much more to kind of say. Like I said, I, I personally, if this was not his first but second start, probably gets to fifth at least, right? And, honestly, overall, it, it's not even like his pitch count I thought was all that bad, right? I mean, 63 through four, we've seen higher counts, obviously, this year. And, uh, I mean, who knows? He, he might have gone six, you know, depending upon how, how things really would have shaken out. But, obviously, that portion of it's speculatory. And, yeah, I mean, to, to kind of piggyback off of you um, a little bit there, uh, too, his off-speed stuff looked really good, too. And that's something that we haven't been able to say with him uh, before he got hurt, you know. And, obviously, the shoulder, obviously, you get that healthy. That's going to build, right, that, that couple extra miles per hour that we might be expecting on a fastball. But, um, in terms of off-speed stuff, too, that, that also affects. You know, I, I think a lot of people, and justifiably so, talk about off-speed and the, the stuff with the elbow and not the shoulder, but, you know, you, your arm slot is all dependent on your shoulder, and, and that changes depending upon what pitch you throw. And obviously, who knows what percentage he actually was when he last pitched, right? But, like, obviously a 75% Cortez in May is going to be nowhere near close to clearly what – I would call a 90% Nestor Cortez's in the beginning of August at this point. Yeah, I thought Jeff Nelson on the broadcast, former pitcher, of course. By the, by the way, more games for him, please, if he wants. <laughs> yeah, I thought he said it well that um, it looked like, you know, earlier in the year before he got hurt that he was kind of holding back at times and, you know, not letting it rip like he was uh, yesterday. So, um, yeah, it was it's just very encouraging to see. And if he can continue to pitch well, especially with the news we got uh Yesterday, I should have said Saturday for Cortez. Yesterday, um, they're going to need Cortez big time with the pitching struggles that they're having. Yeah, we'll, we'll touch on Rodon here in just a sec. A couple couple smaller points to get through here with the rest of the series. I, I think I want to start with this one because I think it leads into what I want to talk about as the final point. And that's kind of this double-edged sword that the Yankees' offense has been, in my mind, the past week or so, where it's a lot of good – good stuff coming from it at the moment overall i i think uh, i could be they're getting on base yeah i could be very off off base no pun intended here right uh but through the course of it all dare i say where would the yankee lineup kind of be without glaber at this point he's kind of been the and it's hard to say obviously because with judge being out for as long as he was but um you know other guys who have been back at this point who are just clearly like struggling with who knows a plethora of issues. I mean, Giancarlo Stanton with an overall base running blunder that a guy of his caliber shouldn't kind of be making. And I don't mean blunder in the sense of, say, like Volpe, for example, or Peraza, the stuff that we've seen with them, but um, kind of just not 100% coming in on a, what, what would have been a, a big run, <laughs> obviously. Uh kind of sticks out but you know this offense that the Yankees have when they're when they're going they're going they're a hard train to stop but um it, it it's tough for that 
lineup to kind of leave the station every now and then. And I think maybe Saturday is a, a really good example of it in a way because obviously they did enough for Nestor and, and, and obviously the bullpen guys after it, right? But kind of left you maybe desiring a little bit more. And then you, you kind of fast forward to yesterday on Sunday where it's, yeah, that offense was really good. And they also left, you know, double-digit guys out on the base pass throughout the game. And that's just a tough pill to swallow, frankly, uh, when uh, you're, you're still in the hunt for a, a playoff spot. I mean, they're four and a half back in the wild card. It's not the most insurmountable gap in the world, but you can't be leaving opportunities available to you to, to kind of go and get games like they did in my mind yesterday. Yeah, it's about scoring runs and winning games, but I guess if you want to be positive, um, they walked a season high 12 times. Sure. Um, but then, yeah, they left a season-high 13 runners on base. So, um, yeah, they you know they had good at-bats, but it's about scoring runs in the end, and they didn't do enough. And obviously their pitching, you know, Rodon let them down right away, going down 5-1. But if their pitching was a little better, I think they would have um, found a way to win that game regardless of the struggles on base. Yeah, we'll touch on Rodon too, obviously, like I said, in a second here, because I, I, I agree and also disagree with you in a sense on that one, only because of obviously tough to – be battling through an injury, <laughs> I guess. But, um, yeah, what, what uh, again, and like I said, I think this piggybacks off of what we just discussed. Harrison Bader made a pretty interesting comment yesterday, uh, post-game, more or less saying, like, yeah, we got some momentum right now. And uh, I don't maybe necessarily disagree with Harrison in principle, uh, but I don't think you can be saying that on the heels of, like I said, in my mind, a, a blown opportunity uh, the way everything kind of shook out with 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 the Sunday game and and what would have been like I said it, I think we're having a completely different discussion probably overall if the Yankees win three of four against Houston yeah it turned out to be a three and four homestand I mean how is that really any positivity right. in that and then they're now four and a half games out of a playoff spot um, where they were two and a half uh, a couple nights ago mm-hmm. so they you know lost two to the Astros and the Blue Jays won a couple and boom just like that it's four and a half so I mean yeah I guess they split with a really good Astros team but in the end it's about gaining ground in the standings and they didn't do that yeah yeah I mean I and that's the thing I think you know like I said I don't know if I necessarily disagree with Bader's comments in principle but I kind of like read the room right like can you really say that you guys have momentum when Sure, you it, you're probably sniffing it, but like not not actually there. Yeah, you know, a little bit of like I said, it probably probably more read the room than anything else on that one. Um, all right, let's uh, like I said, transition over here for a second. Uh, we'll begin obviously with with Carlos Rodon um, left the game after going two and two thirds innings on Sunday uh, with left hamstring tightness. Um, Obviously, I don't know if it's happening right now, but MRI is being done today. Um, obviously, we know that Rodon's been dealing with an injury his whole Yankee career at this point, uh, and he will be dealing with, obviously, the back issues for, for years to come. But um, stuff like this always worries me because I think it's understated how important the legs are for a pitcher, obviously. Yeah, we um, saw it with Cortez in the beginning of the year. And um, to me... Whenever you're hurt, you're typically compensating for it somewhere else, and that's where I'm really worried about. Uh, I think his legs were kind of taking a toll for what he was trying to compensate with. Maybe not only his arm, obviously, but also with his back at this point. Yeah, um, like I said, we saw with Cortez, he missed, what was it, four weeks in the beginning of the year? Part of spring training. And, uh, yeah, really, though, all depends on the MRI, of course. You know, different grades, different strains. he said after the game it was more of a precautionary thing to pull him, but I mean, still it's not good. It's a hamstring, and he was I, actually grabbing it. Yeah, so. I was about to say I didn't. I understand if he thinks it was precautionary, but the way he was coming off the mound didn't appear to be precautionary to me. Yeah, he was. Just, he just the way he looked. I, I would assume at least an Alston. Ten dayish type at least. At yeah. least, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's a tough spot too, right? Is uh, this kind of puts we to go back to really a main one of the main talking points we had last week? It kind of puts the Yankees. I wouldn't say in a lose lose situation, but you know, it, it kind of puts them in a spot where it's like Severino might just have to figure it out up at up at the top level still at this point, and 
kind of hope that maybe one of these starts he just is able to latch on and kind of run with something he gets potentially here. Um, yeah, they might be forced into it. Um, they basically were Friday, too, because the Herman news yeah. kind of pushed them away from, you know, even discussing that because they, they just don't have enough starters right now. They don't have enough depth. Yeah, Johnny Brito, you know, is solid at times, but he's not a – right now, in my mind, he's not an MLB starter. You won't want him facing that Houston line. No, but, but at the very least – I don't like I said I am with you but like at the same token, it, I, if it wasn't for Herman, take him out of the equation. If he if he doesn't have what happened last week, I think Burrito starts Friday, started Friday. I I legitimately believe that. Um, yeah, and it puts the, the Yankees in a tough spot. Not not to maybe skip ahead on because uh, we we have to talk about Luis Saga and. Really, to be fair, I think that was the Johnny Brito move because Luis Saga slated to come off the, the injured list today. Uh, he threw one final rehab assignment Friday. Didn't go uberly great. This was the one that they wanted to have him go multiple innings for. Yeah, the Rochester Red Wings and, hurt him. Yeah, and he did, and, and the Red Wings got him for, what was it, two runs, I think? His first inning of work was easy, and then he came back out for that second, and then, yeah, he ran into trouble. I think two, he run, had, two runs, four hits or something like yep, that? Yep, two runs, four hits, and I think a walk was in there. Yeah. So, so and obviously, you know, stuff like that, that just happens from time to time, too, so it's hard to really gauge fully where uh, he might actually be, uh, but in terms of in terms of that but um you know burrito was optioned yesterday and that's the perceived corresponding move for what should be happening really any moment now as we're sitting here it's one well after one thirty at this point uh although i guess it could be delayed an hour because the yankees are in the central time zone but um you know they also optioned nick ramirez over the weekend and those ramirez and burrito are two guys that in theory could be the plug-and-play starters if you needed them to for a day. Uh, so it's pretty apparent that they're they're leaning on having Severino go. I would I would assume Wednesday. Wednesday's a TBD starter, not to jump fully ahead, but uh, you know it it would be at this point technically Severino's spot in the rotation. Yeah, I have a feeling Severino is going to make that start again. Um, but I guess, like I said, with the situation the Yankees are in where they're pitching, they, they don't really have a choice. Um, you just got a whole point of these times, he figures it out. And like I said off air, the first inning is really what kills him. Yeah. He gives up, like the, in Baltimore, seven runs, last outing three against Houston, and five in the first two innings. Yeah, he gets off to these bad starts and then settles in a little bit and makes it, you know, where it's not as bad because he gives you length, but you're pretty much out of it. Like in Baltimore, it's 7 nothing in the first inning. I mean, how's that for a struggling offense to try to come back from? So if he can figure out these first inning struggles, um, maybe his outings wouldn't be as bad. And the first inning struggles kind of remind me of not as bad, but Jamison Tyone was a guy when he was in New York that just got off to a bad start all the time in the first inning, and no matter what he did, same for Jordan Montgomery. So maybe Matt Blake can try to help him figure it out, but usually in the first three batters, you know how Severino's outing's going to go. Yeah, I mean, the one that sticks out to me is actually one that might be his last true quality start was that start out in Los Angeles against the Angels. And, um, you know, he the start overall was, was good for him. Like I said, I mean, I, I think he only gave up one run or something like that. But, I mean, his first inning was everywhere, and he was leaving stuff hanging. I, I Walks yeah, are killing him. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's rough, rough to say the least for him. So, all right, let's preview this Yankee-White Sox series. As I, I'm actually – it's funny – it's funny how timing works on these types of things. I'm getting push notifications that apparently there's a leak in the White Sox clubhouse that Yasmani Grandal, Eloy Jimenez, and Yohan Mercado have been called out for more or less being toxic teammates and stuff like that. So um, this might be changing in, in real time how I kind of feel about the series. Uh, but, yeah, the Yankees go to, go to Chicago to play the White Sox for three games. Uh, before uh, an off day on Thursday. Off the bat, it's a great pitching matchup. Yankees are going to be throwing Garrett Cole tonight against Dylan Cease. It's an 8-10 first pitch on yes tonight. Tomorrow night, 8-10 on yes. Clark Schmidt against Tuki Tassant. And then on Wednesday, also 8-10, like I've already mentioned, TBD, although we're kind of guessing it's going to be Severino against Mike Clevenger. This White Sox team, 
whew, I, they're a mess, to put it bluntly. Um, and clearly even more than we even thought potentially here. Um, it's been rare that I've done this this year, but um, I think I go with the Yankees sweep here. And the White Sox seem like a team that are going to be on their back heel this series. That's usually a, never a good sign for a team if you got to be on your back heel and kind of back against the wall by, for, for I guess, in the White Sox situation, whether they choose to or not. You know, that being said, it's probably going to be a 2-1 Yankees series victory, I think. I think Wednesday is going to be that game where I feel like the Yankees go into it and they think they can get the sweep and they just aren't able to convert. Um, I, I like the matchups. Uh, I think tonight's going to be a low-scoring affair no matter what. I, I, I love Dylan Cease, one of my favorite pitchers to watch in the game just in general. Um, but, you know, you look at, say, Tuesday night, tomorrow night, Tuki Tassan should not have a sub for you, right? Something's got to change there, in my opinion, uh, when push comes to shove. So um, that's kind of how I'm leaning at this point. I, it's weird if – it's a weird situation if we came into today without having knowing what we've seen or anything like that against the White Sox over the weekend. I think I'd be telling you a different thing, in my opinion. But like I said, if a team's against the wall, peels up and everything like that, I, especially in the situation they are, I think it's pretty easy to beat up on them, especially a team like the Yankees who's looking to, to do some beating up. <laughs> is Garrett Cole ever going to have another bad start? That's a good point. Or is he due for one? I think we just jinxed it by, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm very undecided in the series, but um, I'm going to say the Yankees sweep. Hey, what about you? But I'm hoping for the reverse. Yeah, but we'll, we'll uh, talk about that off air, but... Um, <laughs> You know, I just – all right, let's say this. Let's say they sweep the series, but Toronto goes into Cleveland and sweeps the Guardians. Sure. The Yankees gain zero ground. Right. All they do is shave off games on the year. So, like it, – It's weird. I'm not – I don't want to look too far down the road here for later on in the week just yet because obviously things can change. But to me, the most important series of the week is the end of the week series in Miami for the Yankees, not so much this series. Yeah. Um I don't know, but I do – the White Sox just – the thing is, the White Sox already beat the Yankees this year. Right. So, I don't know if a sweep – I'll change it. Two of three. Okay. Fair enough. I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's talk uh, some Mets here. Uh, as I – if you were to tell me – if I were to go back in time, throw myself in the time machine, tell myself in March, Paul, you're not going to believe it. The Mets have lost six in a row. They got swept by Kansas City and Baltimore. I would have called you a liar and then done some timeline altering and who knows what the universe might be like at that point. But that's exactly what's happened over the weekend. So the Mets um, tried to, to, to get at least one game in Kansas City. didn't happen. Get swept in Kansas City. Go to Baltimore, uh, more of the same, although I guess, you know, it's Baltimore, the best team in baseball right now, um, or, well, second-best team in baseball right now. Same and amount of wins, though, as the Braves. It's true. But I do think Atlanta's a better team. I, yeah, I mean, Atlanta, I, yeah, different discussion for a different time, but, yeah, I mean. Better <laughs> pitching. Yeah. Uh, not Again, not a knock. We talked about this off-air, but uh, I love Jack Flaherty, but he's not even a number two guy anymore. So um, remains to be seen, I guess, partially on that. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I, I kind of want to start here a, a little bit. And if you aren't following Cespedes Family Barbecue as a baseball fan, you got to be. Uh, but they were the ones who kind of pointed it out. It was just like, hey, look, I, it could mean something, could mean nothing. But there's a, a what is it, a handful of teams that were trading at the deadline. Uh, four of them were buyers, and the Reds, the Angels, the Diamondbacks, and. The other one escapes me. But, I thought that was the only team. Oh, right, yeah. And then the Mets were the fourth team yep. uh, who sold. And all of them are in six since the trade deadline. Um, and if you're the Mets, I kind of wonder, and a lot of this has to do with, I think, a little bit too, now for what we know, we talked about last week, but it got brought up again over the weekend because Max Scherzer got asked about it and people are going at him, and I don't understand why. But I wonder if the comments from Steve Cohen and Billy Epler have, have really kind of 
negatively affected the outlook of this clubhouse at this point because um, just the way everything has played out since the deadline for the Mets, I wouldn't call it uninspired ball, but it, it's been some ugly baseball, to, to put it bluntly, for the most part. Um, and I just – I don't know if I could confidently go into a series anymore, and I will just pick the one obviously in front of us with the Cubs, for example. I don't know if I even feel confident saying that they'll like, even win one game the way they're playing right now. Like, nobody just – on that team seems like, again, it's a bad generalization to say it this way because it's not the case. But it just seems like nobody wants to be there sometimes. And like I said, it's a bad example, and I, we're going to talk about one of the guys that's the bad example of it in Jose Katana, who has now kind of strung together a couple good starts but really punctuated it with, with yesterday's start. And it's like, the Mets just kind of at, come to the end of the game presented an empty plate almost where it's like, it's what we got? All right, well, I guess we can just go and do it, you know, because we got to. Uh, it's just, it, it's uninspiring baseball is what it is. Yeah, they held the Orioles just two runs and they couldn't even scratch across any and had four hits, three of which were singles. So, I mean, it's just hard to believe how bad it's gotten. Um, but you do expect them to struggle against the Orioles. But, man, getting swept by the Royals, right. who had 75 losses at the time, I mean, that was just tough to see. And then um, I wanted to ask you this, because I, I saw the stat yesterday. Do you remember the last time the Mets were 11 games under 500? Did you see that stat? I haven't, but can I take a guess? Yeah, like what year? 11 games under. At any point. Yep. Is what, is any point in the year, yep. Might surprise you. I then will be that guy. I'll say 2015. 19. Really? And guess what? They finished 86 and 76. How the heck did that happen? Yeah. But, yeah, that was from Mike Puma in New York uh, Post yesterday. Tweeted that out. I was like, wow. I would think it would have been, like, longer. Wait, was that a Mickey Calloway year? I think so. Wow. But, yeah, they finished with a winning, rec- winning record. So, I guess uh, they found it at the end of the year. But, yeah, it's been uh, three years, four years. Uh, now, here's a trivia question for you that I can toss back, though. How many – so the Mets in the past six games, week, whatever you want to call it, have the lowest average run total in Major League Baseball. Do you know that number? How many runs they've scored in the yeah. last six? Well, average. Average per game. I'll say, like, 2.3. Spot on. No, I, I – dead serious, I'm not looking. Spot on. 2.3. Whoa. Yeah. So what does that tell you? Wait, should I go play the lottery today? I say why not, especially if the Mega Power – what is it Powerball or Mega Millions that's the 1.55 billion or whatever? Yeah, I don't know which one. But. Either way, a godly number, but go and do it, Kyle. No, but what does that tell you? Even if the pitching, which honestly hasn't been super terrible since the trade deadline, oddly enough, but, like, it doesn't matter if Jose Katana throws, you know – a great another great quality game like he did yesterday it doesn't matter because he's just not going to have the offense to back him up and it's something that we really had been talking about with the Yankees but especially in the past week since the trade deadline like I said it's been uninspiring baseball and it's clearly translated to the scoreboard the thing is yeah they made some trades and stuff and you would think that's why they're you know struggling the way they are but there are guys still in that lineup that can hit and the one guy that has been consistent but needs to elevate his game because of the trades that are made, is Francisco Lindor. Yeah. Um, Pete Alonso, obviously the power is there, but if you look at his average, it's very low. Um, and I think he's capable of even more, even though he's having a great year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Jeff McNeil, I mean, is he ever going to get going? Yeah, I, it, he's got to. Yeah. And then Brandon Nimmo's been out a little bit with quad tightness, but then he was back yesterday. Those four guys, I mean, Vogelback has had hot streaks. There's guys in that lineup that can still – produce enough for them to not get shut out yesterday and I I don't know if it's going to come in this series against the Cubs who they've already lost a series to earlier in the year in Chicago but man it's yeah it's if you're a Mets fan it's tough to watch yeah I and that's the thing with it is like I said I mean I I don't know if the Cubs are exactly the right example given um they are quite literally the hottest team anyway in baseball right now um so much so that they've they just beat they the Braves. Their way, they clawed their way. Yeah, I mean, they clawed their way back into the playoff picture quite literally. Um, yeah. But 
Yeah, I mean, I, even then, though, like, it shouldn't matter, I guess, really outright who's in front of you every now and then in this situation. But, like, I – what gives me any hope that, you know, they'll actually live up to the ERAs that the pitchers that they're facing technically give up? Like, I, every pitcher that they were going to see in this series, uh, and I won't spoil it too, too much at the moment, is – has an ERA – at least like 1.75 times what the Mets have averaged the past week in terms of runs. So do I have the faith that they could do it? I mean, maybe a little bit, like you said, right, Kyle? I mean, these guys can hit, but, I mean, will they? The brain doesn't think so. I don't know. Like I said, I think that part of it we can more speculate on, I guess, maybe like in a second when we actually get to talking about the series in Chicago. But, I mean, just through the weekend and through the, those games against the Royals, I mean, I, I, it's just not there. Did you know the Mets actually have a winning record at home? They're 26-23 and 23 and 24-38 and 38 on the road. So this big homestand coming up, maybe they'll play better. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's I wouldn't have thought with their record that they'd have a winning record at home. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. and we'll, we'll get to, that, obviously, another record here in a second because of who one of the starters is for, for Chicago going. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I do want to spend another quick second, though, on Jose Katana because uh, the Mets, frankly, the Mets are looking for now that veteran guy to kind of lead the, the rotation. And um, statistically, it's not going to be Carrasco, right? Uh, you know, Peterson, uh, he's got that journeyman vibe to him, so he's not going to fall into that. It could be Kodai Senga, right? But he's a rookie at the major league American level, obviously. So who does the next guy kind of fall in line with? That, that that would be Jose Katana. And like I said, he's now in this kind of really run of since he's gotten back. And obviously the first first start or two isn't always great. And that's certainly lived up to it for him. But since then, he's settled in. And now we have really back-to-back, really good quality starts out of him. And again, this year, obviously, it's not going to make a ton of difference, right? But he's a guy who is locked into contract for next year with the Mets. That could mean a number of different things, right, because we, we know what the Mets might be doing this offseason. But the fact matter is he knows that he's locked in for next year. He can settle in a little bit better maybe than a couple of the other guys. And to me, he finds himself in a role he probably hasn't been on since the White Sox, and that is being the leader of a staff. And I'm not saying that he maybe necessarily needs that role, but Every time he's pitched really good in his career, he's been in that leadership of the staff role. And I think that maybe might be a good sign, at least for him anyway, in terms of uh, living up to his performance and expectations, maybe even the team expectations too. Uh, But I think it certainly is a spot where he needs it but also the team needs it. And sometimes that, that can add up to be a really good combination. Yeah, and he does have a pretty tough test this weekend. You know, he got the Braves. But, yeah, I agree with you. He's He's been uh, pretty solid. You know, he struggled, like you said, his first two outings, especially against the Yankees. Couldn't get out of the fourth, fifth. Fourth or fifth, yeah. Uh, and now, you know, he gave him six against the Baltimore lineup. That was That's good. Um, so, yeah, that's encouraging, especially with, you know, Scherzer and Verlander gone. You need somebody to pair with Senga that will really, you know, give you a chance to win. And hopefully they give him some run support now. Right. <laughs> it's always the key part in this, right, is where, where can you get that support from. So, yeah. All right, let's uh, let's do some updates here for the Mets. Not a ton in terms of actually much of anything. I don't mean as a disparaging remark, but uh, it's kind of the way they've been all year. They haven't had, like, really deep injury reports or anything like that all year. Too, too badly anyway. Tim LaCastro, as we have talked through the month, has had a bit of a clouded and, and adjusted timeline to come back. But he has joined single-A St. Lucie to begin his rehab assignment. That's put a late August return in play for him now. Uh, and that was something that obviously borderline two months from what the Mets initially expected. Uh, but it appears as though he's, he's getting back in track to getting presumably to the big league level and, and – the big league Mets uh, sooner than later at this point. Question is, are they even going to play him? Right, sure. I mean, that's just how they're operating right now. Sure. Um, you know, Ronnie Mauricio's still not up, which makes zero sense. Right. Um, at what point does LaCastro get a chance? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that that's fair. I mean, he, had, he was up with the big league club before he got hurt, so I think that's a little bit of a maybe easier go of things. But, yeah, I mean, I, not to harp on a point we've been banging in now for the past two or three months with the Mets, but let the kids play. I love all things holy, let the kids play. Um, other than that, they just kind of made a couple roster moves. Friday was a obviously disastrous pitching day for the Mets. Tyler Mago and Jimmy Yacobonis were recalled from AAA Syracuse. Mago obviously had to start Saturday, as we kind of expected it to be. Um, Yacobonis was brought up for bullpen help. John Curtis and Reed Garrett, the right-handed relievers, were optioned back to AAA Syracuse. Uh, so keeping arms, I wouldn't say fresh, but, I mean, they're kind of just – think they're at a point where they, they know who they have pitching-wise and just they're going to keep whoever up that can perform for a longer period of time up and send the other guys down until they kind of right the ship. Yeah, that's been the problem for them. They're constantly sending guys up and down because these guys can't stay consistent. I mean, Jacobonis has had good stretches earlier in the year, um, but just no consistency, and they're constantly making moves because of that reason. Yeah, and I mean, John Curtis was a guy who, I, I'll have to eat some words. I, I thought he actually would have was a dark horse to compete for that closer role. Um, and since coming back from, from fully rehabbing to, from Tommy John uh, earlier in the year in spring, just has not been able to, to string it together. And I guess, like you said, maybe a little bit of the story of the Mets this year is just can't string it together. Whoa, this is so random. I didn't even know you put the two-point runs per game in the yeah. notes. Yeah, surprise. I just saw it. <laughs> wow, I must not be paying attention. You're good. You're just, you just know that number too well. All right, let's talk uh, about the series. The Mets have something very rare in baseball this year, a 10-game homestand this uh, next, I guess really to be fair, kind of 13 to 14 days because there's a couple off days sprinkled in between. But 10-game homestand for the Mets – and they open it with the hottest team in baseball, the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> so, story of the Mets kind of life here, of course, of uh, the past couple of weeks facing these teams who are just on hot stretches. Uh, so tonight, 710 on SNY or MLB Network. Depending upon your market, left-hander Drew Smiley goes for the Cubs against Kodai Senga. If you're wondering, what do you, why are you laughing about that? Well, Kyle, remember that, the, the record against lefties? Kind of why. <laughs> kind of why if you're wondering, folks. Tomorrow, 7-10 on SNY. Jamison Tyone will go for the Cubs against Carlos Carrasco. And then Wednesday, 7-10 first pitch on SNY or MLB Network. Kyle Hendricks against David Peterson. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm at a weird spot with this where I definitely think the Mets don't get swept at least. <laughs> right? I don't think they sweep. I think they get a guaranteed win, and I borderline actually want to say they get two. Um, I don't think that comes tonight against the lefty. I have to play the numbers game there. Uh, but, you know, at what point is this lineup as a collective unit just going to say, screw it, like, we, let's just go out there and kind of just do our thing and see what happens, you know? And they're, they're getting a little bit lucky, right? They aren't going to face who has been Chicago's best starter this year in Justin Steele. They miss him by, I think it was a day, I believe. And at that point, when you're avoiding that, you have collective relatively soft hurlers, right? I mean, I know that can be tough because usually those are the guys with some good breaking stuff, right? But Kyle Hendricks isn't even the Kyle Hendricks he was last year. Tyone certainly hasn't been the Tyone that, as people who watch the Yankees like we do, Kyle, he hasn't been the Tyone he has been either the, the past couple of years. Uh, and Drew Smiley is a bit of a coin flip. You never know what type of star. I mean, he was a guy who had a perfect game this year going into the eighth inning, and then the next start got, got rocked. So um, you never know quite what you can get with him. Uh, so I will do it, and I will take a, a very, even for me at this point, the Mets optimistic road. I actually think they get two or three against the Cubs. I really do. But – uh, that's leaning more into the fact that they've been really good at home, Kyle. Yep. And I do think that their one loss does come, I guess, ironically enough again tonight against the left-handed starter. <laughs> which would put them at 11-27 and 27 against left-handers, which go. is mind-blowing. Right. Um, I'm going to say that the Cubs keep rolling and get a, get a sweep. Yeah. 
Um, Nine in a row for the Mets that they've lost. Jamison Tyone, actually, his last five outings has been better because his ERA went from seven to five, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And um, I think Drew Smiley, yeah, is going to be tough tonight because they can't beat lefties. And Kyle Hendricks has been good for the most part. He struggled his last outing. So I just think with the amount of runs the Cubs are scoring, too, they're going to have trouble keeping up with their runs. So yeah. I'm going to give uh, the Cubs a sweep here. Uh, I'll put it this way. Nothing at this point would surprise me with the Mets. <laughs> just the way this year has been. If they do get swept, I would be like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I 100% see it. <laughs> yep. So that's where we're with them. All right, before we get out of here, uh, spend a couple minutes. It wasn't a great week for Rochester or Syracuse, both dropping their respective series 2-4 to four, Rochester down in Scranton against the Rail Riders and for Syracuse hosting the Hoosacks. Um, both teams um, kind of dealing with, again, a lot of roster shakeups and changes or course, course of the past couple days. Drew Milas, the catcher, is back, activated for Rochester. Uh, Blake Rutherford called up and selected from Washington. Interesting little comeback story going on there to keep an eye on. Uh, catcher Paul Witt was assigned from High A Fredericksburg. Yohan Adon recalled to Washington. Derek Hill, uh, one of the hottest hitters for the Red Wings, was placed on the injured list. Amos Willingham was optioned back to Rochester from Washington. Yordi Bar- Barley, who has already spent a couple couple days in Rochester, the shortstop assigned from AA Harrisburg. Uh, Jose Arena, the starting pitcher, was granted his release. Uh, and the Red Wings are home this week against Lehigh Valley. I do want to mention quickly to um, – a name that um, some in Rochester definitely should know. Obviously, if you're more of a Nationals person, you know, but Paulo Espino uh, was released from Washington. I just want to give a shout out to him because he's had a really interesting and fascinating career, kind of like one of the guys, that, the everyman guys that people can root for. Uh, but the Washington Nationals did release him, and uh, it's presumed that it's probably going to signal the end of his professional career, unfortunately. So. Uh, just want to give a shout out to him. I know he was really great uh, up in up in Rochester the past couple of years when he's been there, as well as kind of just being the mop-up guy, kind of being the innings when needed to in Washington. Uh, for Syracuse, uh, Jonathan Arus and Tyson Miller were optioned to Syracuse from the big league roster. Adam McClorick assigned to Syracuse. Nolan Claney assigned back to A Binghamton and Justin Jarvis activated. He got to start over the weekend and got a win. Uh, the S-Mets back on the road this week against Scranton-Wilkes-Barre. So, uh, the I-81 rivalry in full effect this week uh, between Rochester and Syracuse. Yeah, a lot of roster moves there for Rochester. Yeah. Um, yeah. It always seems like they got a lot of movement with players release, IL stints. It's never a good sign when I go on the website on a Monday and there's an updated roster PDF state, dated for for Monday. <laughs> yeah, and that was just since Thursday. Yeah. yeah. It hadn't even been a full week with all these moves. So who knows what this week will bring. Yeah, yeah, you never know. Um, I did know. I did see Darren Baker uh, quickly got back to his ways. He he was player of the week for Rochester. So, um, yeah, Rochester. Though I mean they're hanging tough. It was an interesting week in the International League. I noticed uh, there's Red Wings are tied for tenth still. And they only actually through the course of everything they only lost a game to to first place. They're still three and a half back. Syracuse uh, solely in nineteenth, uh, nine games back. Uh, and for the Charlotte Knight fans out there, I do have an update. Uh, they have reached a sixth win through the course of the last week. So congratulations on reaching win number six of the second half. <laughs> when they win, it must feel so great because they come very rarely. Yeah. Um, but one thing, this is just a random thought. I'm just by seeing these every week, you're probably not going to agree with this, but man, I, I don't. I'm not a fan of the six-game series. Let's yeah. just make two series a week, three and three. Oh, no, no. I'm, and give I'm, them that off day still Monday. But let's just – I know it's travel and stuff. They don't like doing that. But, I mean, I, just six games against the same team, it just gets no, – and then I'm, the standings are just all you. weird. And, yeah. But, yeah, I know it's mainly because of travel and money and stuff like that. But well, I mean, it's also eliminated. And I, I don't mean to sound like whatever here, but, like, it's eliminated teams like Toledo, who Toledo and Rochester – or, or even Syracuse, right? I mean, all three of these teams are some of the longest tenured teams in professional baseball period. And Toledo, since the realignment's only come to Rochester once. I think they've been to Syracuse once now as well. But a lot of these typical matchups that we've been used to seeing over the course of the past 25, 30 years, especially uh, since the American Association was dissolved and absorbed, 
just aren't being done anymore. And I get it, like I said, I, I understand from the travel and, and cost saving side element of it, but even from a playing side, I, I think seeing the same guys kind of consistently over and over again doesn't help either uh, in that sense. So, yeah, I think I'm with you. I, I think there would be a way to probably do it where it's like you can play three and three and maybe that off day isn't every Monday, but you know that travel day be off, whether it's Thursday, have Thursday be the off day. Um, you know, I you could easily do something, right? Like if you're coming through on I-90, right? Buffalo, Syracuse, Rochester, all on the line. And I mean, I, I know this part of it too is a little bit further down the road, right? But you want to do, you want to look at completely at I-90, right? Worcester and Massachusetts is only another four hours from Syracuse East, right? Five or five hours probably, not four. But, um, and even then, like if you want to look at it from this perspective, Syracuse, Scranton, that's only about hour and a half, two hours most. And then another hour south, at least along the, the Pennsylvania Turnpike Corridor is Lehigh Valley. I mean, there are ways, there are definitely ways to do it. And I know the further west you get, it's a little, it gets a little bit more difficult, right? I mean, there's like a triangle you could in theory do between Toledo, Columbus, Louisville. I guess it's not a triangle at that point, but like Indianapolis too, uh, stuff like that. So uh, I'm, I'm with you though, Kyle. I, I, I get it and I understand why to do it. But it, even like, like I said, from even if I was like a player from it, I, I think seeing the same guys for for six straight days would be a speed. I don't. I don't think that's good either, though. And you're sometimes facing the same starting pitcher. Twice. In no, this... that, that happened. That happens at least twice. Yeah, it's yeah. just like it's so repetitive. And the thing is, hadn't they figured a way for years? Didn't that used to be three and four game series or or two games even? Yeah. So like, I know it's just recently changed. Like we keep saying money and stuff, but man, there's ways that they've done it before that worked. So why not go back to it? Yeah. No, I'm, I hear it. And then the All-Star game still isn't a thing, you said? Correct, this and year again. Didn't they used to do a home run derby, too, just like Major League? Like, why not bring that back? And I don't know. Whatever. Uh, just a minor complaint. No, but I'm with you, though. I mean, I think the All-Star game was big. I mean, it took the best guys at AAA together, obviously, like any team would. But, I mean, it was especially pivotal, too, because it was technically the day after the MLB All-Star game. And, obviously, it was never in the same city or released by – definition right so for example the big league all-star game this year in Seattle right well triple a all-star game could have been in say like Toledo or something like that right but it'd be right same thing as like the all-star break about two and a half weeks three weeks to the trade deadline it it, it showcased guys who could be at the big league level and you could trade for and it, it kind of brought everything together and I, I'm with you though I there's a lot of there's a lot of issues still that linger at the minor league level that, that pissed me off that either we could get back to where it was fine and didn't need to be changed or need to be changed because it all comes down to dollars and cents and one way or another. Uh, as long as they can find a way to, to either quote-unquote save or make more of it for the owners, that, that's what they're going to do still at the end of the day. So now that we're off both our high horses, I guess, <laughs> let's wrap up the show. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. Okay, housekeeping note. The plan is still for Thursday. I can't fully guarantee it, though. Uh, I do have my last really hardcore round of dental work in the morning that day. As long as I feel fine, I, we are planning on doing it Thursday. If not, we're looking at Friday again. Uh, but either way, we'll have a late week episode just planned for Thursday, but you never know. It could be Friday. We'll let and you know. Thursday's an off day for both teams, yep. I believe. So, yep. Yep, correct. Light schedule that night. Yep. So, uh, yeah, we'll keep it posted there. Uh, looking out into the little bit distant future as well, next week should be a normal week as usual. Week after should be a normal week as usual. Week after won't be a normal week as usual. I'm going on vacation. <laughs> so, uh, it will probably just be one episode that, that last week of August, presumably over Zoom and not live, uh, but we'll figure that out as we get there. But we wanted to give everybody a heads up so that way uh, nobody was caught off guard. So uh, enjoy the week, everybody. Kyle, anything major this week uh, on the radar for you? No, not much. Um, maybe we get another baseball fight to make it interesting. It would. It would. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just, you know, it's late, or I should say early August, and nothing, not much going on. There's still 50 games left for most teams, and, just like man can we speed it up a little bit right yeah yeah no i i i, I kind of hear you there. nothing wrong with that 
but yeah, go back to something quickly brought up at the beginning of the show. I got playoffs this week, starting this week for us because we had a bye. So uh, hopefully the the pioneers can hold tough, and we'll we'll be in the uh, championship series next week. So yeah, you'll probably sweep. That's my guess. I don't think. I mean, in an ideal in an ideal world, yeah, <laughs> but I. No, unfortunately, you, as uh, especially now that I get to put on the coaching ad here for a minute, you can never plan for this. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, you plan, but I mean, the playoffs are obviously a different animal, right? I mean, you're you, the way I always look at it, you can't you can't plan for tomorrow because you have to attack today, and it it helps, right? I mean, we have game. Unless Sharon Boone, right? He thinks about the bear. Yeah, fair. I mean, obviously it helps. You know, game one's Wednesday, and then we don't have anything until Sunday for what would be a potential doubleheader depending upon what happens. So uh, obviously Wednesday's a little bit of a different story, but yeah, I mean, Sunday you just have to plan and get through game one at least before you can even think about game two. So, uh, but hey, I guess that's why I'm here and not even in Port St. Lucie. <laughs> so, all right, everybody, enjoy the week. We will be back, like I said, either way, Thursday or Friday, we'll recap everything and look at the weekend ahead.